Welcome back to Dunk Auto Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Two-thirds of the way through Dark Age. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some updates on that in a, in a moment. Oh, well, I'll say we, we've read up to chapter 58 in the book. Um, but first, I want to get... I, I'm, I think this will be a quick warm-up. Uh, I, I have a little note that I want to stay accountable. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, Luke. To people. Uh, so I have, a, I have a little biking update. Oh, good. Okay. Tell us about that. Everyone. Tell us about that. It's because I want to be honest um, and admit that I have been borrowing my wife's car to commute to work to, for the past, let's maybe two weeks. We're all disappointed in you, Luke. I know. I know. I am too. The reason being, um, it's hot as hell here, okay? <laughs> well, you're talking about Arizona in July of 2023 is not suitable biking conditions? That's correct. That is that is accurate. Yes. What a pixie. Um, what a pixie. <laughs> so when I, when I read this book and I hear Lysander talk about his trek through the desert, I'm like, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> I had to I had to drive a car. I can't even ride my electric powered <laughs> bicycle. So I, I get your struggle, Lysander, for sure. Totally. Going through very similar things um as Lysander. But yeah, that's that's my that's my quick warm up. I I don't want I don't want to try to try to claim glory for something that I haven't done, which is which is continue biking in I, the heat. I will say I would have been incredibly impressed if you were like, I'm sticking with it. I'm biking. <laughs> Well, what was funny is last year I did this um, successfully, and so it gave me confidence for this year. However, looking back on it, I realized that I worked from home a lot more last summer, <laughs> so I was only biking like once a week. I mean, and early at the beginning of this, or like halfway through the summer, I was like, "Man, why is this one so much worse than last time?" To be fair, also this year I think is a historic heat wave right now, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it's particularly hot particularly, in Topeka. Yeah. Um, but yes, yes, I, I appreciate you telling us, Luke. Um, I we were all concerned. I think we were all concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you tried? Ooh, here's an here's an idea, Luke. Have you tried modding your bike a little bit? To make it cooler, what, what what kind of mods are you talking about? Because I've done a few. Okay, what are your mods that you've done? Because maybe you've already my, <laughs> tried. Well, my mods are not necessarily actually to my bike; uh, they're more to me. And I've got some I've got some additions to my to my uh, <laughs> to my wardrobe that are not particularly stylish. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But I've got I've got one of those, you know, those like fisherman shirts. Oh yeah. Uh, I've got a like one that's like two sizes too big, uh, but it keeps the sun off me. I tell you what. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a a little like. You got a brim for your helmet. You got a brim. I don't have that, uh. but I have a like. How do I describe it? It's like a cloth. Oh yeah. Uh, gator that goes around your neck. Right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I do is put it in the freezer uh, right before i'm leaving right before i'm leaving i uh put it in the sink 
okay, get yeah. soaking wet. Yeah. And then and then put it around my neck, cover up my cover up half my face up to here. So we've got we've got <laughs> completely wet like mask thing uh-huh. up to the top of my nose. Then Love sunnies, it. got it. And then helmet. Okay. And then fisherman shirt. And then fisherman shirt. All sounds very good. All sounds very good. Um, little ice in the helmet. We put a little ice. Does your helmet have holes in the top? Put little ice cubes in the top. It does. It does. I haven't done the ice in the Try top. Try that yet. out. Get a little drip. A little cool drip. Sounds good. That sounds good. For your what other I drip? do need. <laughs> what I do need, and I'm genuinely thinking about doing, is putting a little like spray bottle on my handlebars. Ooh, do a little mist. I can just do a little spray every now and then. Because like the so okay so the 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 water on the like little neck gaiter thing mm-hmm. genuinely works extremely well. Oh, for sure. However, it's gonna evaporate. My quick, commute though. takes about. My commute takes about 35 minutes. It's a dry heat. That thing is bone dry after about five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I need I need some supplemental evaporative cooling. Yeah, I think bring some more to water. Add, to add to the bike. Do a little spritz. That yeah. makes sense to me. Instead That's of a little, a little horn, spritzer. you know, instead of a little honky horn, you know, yeah. just have it filled with water. D- do you remember those little thingies that was like a little fan, a little like foam fan? Oh, yes, I do. Thingy that was also a spray bottle? Oh, absolutely. Give, give me one of those. I'm going to look on Amazon after this. There's probably a few options for you. Yeah, try that. Go with that, Luke, and get back out there. Okay. Because we all want to see you riding, riding through it. Ride, yeah, I'll do. Ride through the pain. Yeah, I'll do. Um, all right. I'll, let- I'll let you, I'll let you know if I get the get the spray bottle. Okay, but, cool. But yeah, let's get let's get to the buck um like i said dark age up to chapter 58 (laughs) and i have to say when i was i was re-listening to our episode from last week Uh to post yeah and we were very hype about mustang yeah and um i gotta say pretty a little frustrated with pierce here okay luke i have a feeling like this episode we're gonna be talking to pierce because i have a lot of qualms (laughs) with pierce right now yes because this section was just so much of it i wanted to talk to pierce directly because i was just (laughs) like man come on come on come on because okay all right, Luke, we're popping off right right here. Uh, I was hype at the beginning of this. My first note. This is my first note for this section. Hell yes, dancer. Now we talking. Team up. Yeah. That is my first note. Because I was like, finally, like, things make sense. Finally, like, yeah, this all works. Let's do it. We're hype. Nope. None of that happened. <laughs> and I get it. We're trying to add a little, like dramatic tension right we're trying to make things seem really bad that's classic pierce right make it seem like it's Mm -hmm. awful like there's no way there's no hope and then somehow kind of turn things around and they're going to scrape by at the end i get it pierce (laughs) but like does it have to go this bad pierce you're running out of characters to kill you're literally running out to the point where you're bringing them back. To the point where you're like, we're going to clone this. All right, we're going to get there later. We're going to get there later. But like Pierce, <laughs> it's so bad. Da- Daxo and Dancer in one chapter, in the same chapter. I know. And like at the time, potentially 
Virginia, which like I don't I don't think I actually believe that she was dead. No, but uh, it's like I was mad. I was so mad, honestly. <sighs> <laughs> I was at the point where uh, had we not had these these uh, Virginia chapters towards the end, I was like, I don't know if I'm reading the next one. <laughs> Luke, I still don't know. We're going to get to that, though. Okay, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Um, uh, what did I have on here, actually? Yeah, I, I, had, I had early on, my note just says, if Mustang dies, we ride. <laughs> that, was my, that was my note that I wrote down. A bit of the opposite um, happening here. bit of a reversal right. of that. Um, right. <laughs> it's... Uh, um, okay. <clears throat> Luke, I... Before, so I do want to get into some stuff with Pierce because there's a few things that Pierce did that I'm, I'm a little annoyed with. But before we get there, I want to talk book stuff. And okay. the first like book question I have for you, how are the, why do you think the core, like the society doesn't have more internal revolutions among their low colors? Because... So before the rising happened, it just like wasn't even a possibility. And then the Republic is born. Darrow leads a revolution. And like it kind of comes from within. Right. Um, I feel like now the rim is a different story because the rim, I feel like the low colors kind of respect the golds because they're put it like they're in the same kind of position. You know, they like take. They make it look like they're doing the same things as the low colors, right? Where they're rationing their food. And I think it's less likely there'd be a revolution there because they have the propaganda is better. But in the core, sure. I feel like the low colors don't really get a lot of credit. Like they're treated as slaves. Um, and like, right. I feel like that's prime territory to be inciting revolution internal. Like, why are they still... Why is there so much focus on fighting them on a bat on a battlefield rather than like, yeah, let's just get all the reds to not be about it anymore on Venus and right. So, so you're you're basically saying that like the society needs all of the low colors to just like do their normal jobs to function. Correct. Yeah. You're, you're talking about like a generalized strike instead of like a violent uprising is that what you mean i mean either one honestly i'm i'm more curious like the republic the thing the republic has that has been hijacked this whole book is the fact that low colors get a say in what goes on and that is the propaganda like the low colors in the society have to know about the republic right like they have to know about darrow so why is that not your tool for conquering mercury and venus is is like virginia just being like hey all you low colors who live there if you just stop listening to those golds you can join our republic and have a say in what happens to you right i so the only answer that i have is the like (laughs) the, the threat of like violence against them from the from the golds sure um which is basically like what I think has kept an uprising from happening before Darrow. Yes. Um, 
But like to your point, you would think that now there would be much more confidence of success. And so people would take the shot, I guess. Take the shot. And like there is not only success of like a revolution, you have allies. Like you have a powerful nation that will like embrace you in open arms. And if you do this in the middle of a battle, like, oh yeah, we're going to battle. All we have to do is coordinate a little bit and just don't pull the trigger on any of these ships and like we'll be free like they will free us and like i get there's a bunch of propaganda right where you know they're talking about how terrible conditions are in the republic and like yeah for a lot of people conditions aren't great in the republic fair um and like yeah they've been propagandized for decades for centuries in the society i i guess this is to me, this feels more like a critique of the Republic of not doing a better job of communicating to low colors in the core. Yes. I mean, that and I think this also comes back to our previous criticisms of um, I, I don't want to limit it to Darrow, but like the focus on winning the war rather than like building your own situation and building credibility that way Mm -hmm. um where i don't know if this would have necessarily worked but like i think there's something to be said for making conditions in your in the republic very good and then like going to venus for example and being like hey like this is awesome right like now it's time we're going to invade. If you want to join us, like do a little, do a little something, something. Right. Whereas like without doing that, uh, w- missing that step of like making your situation good. I feel like the low colors can maybe look at that and be like, I'm not risking like chemical weapons being used on me for like something that doesn't look that good. Right. To like get, murdered in the mud on mars and not even get the profits from my mind just so i can like i don't know get a nice fancy drink every so often right right okay yeah okay i think you're right i think that they didn't do a good enough job of making it obvious that their way is better they didn't they're too focused on fighting a traditional military conflict Rather than like, no, that's not even how we won this. Like, we didn't win this because we are good at fighting. We won this because we're just like, this is a better way. Right. Because like (laughs) the way that it's set up right now, the the like leaders of Venus, for example, can probably just like, I don't know, do one maneuver and like drop some kind of chemical weapon on one of like somewhere and kill like a million reds and like that's a real that's it's a real risk if you're a red on venus that's thinking about like trying to join the revolution right and if if you're risking that for pretty <laughs> terrible situations in the republic i I, I don't know if the scales tip particularly well towards Darrow. Right. Like, it's much easier. Ooh, actually, maybe the fact that the Republic is real works against them because it's much easier to fight for a ambiguous, like, better future 
that you can you can project whatever you want onto it. It's much harder when you can see it and you're like, yeah, I don't know if that looks very good. Uh, <laughs> right. You still have to work? Sorry, I still have to go to a job? Uh, I was kind of hoping I wouldn't have to do that anymore. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's actually, I think it makes a little bit of sense that they that they haven't they haven't successfully done this yet at least yeah i do think they need to focus a little more on it we've heard nothing about their attempts to get the low colors of other planets on their side right right okay um so i have a note here on on some of the ephraim chapters okay um (laughs) and maybe this is another uh, another time where where I want to yell at Pierce. Okay. All right. Um, I said last book that I didn't want to root for Ephraim, uh-huh. and here I and here it <laughs> here we are, and Ephraim's chapters are like the comedic relief and the fun ones. Yeah. I, come on, <laughs> this is very difficult for me to continue to hate Ephraim. I know, Luke. And actually, this, this is, is fair. This is one place where I'm glad we disagree because I'm fine with Pierce doing this. I was hoping he'd do it. I'm loving it. <laughs> I know. I keep reading these, I'm getting a little chuckle, and like, oh, can't wait to see what Ephraim and Pax are up to. Yep. And I'm like, ah, damn it! No, we hate Ephraim. No, we hate Ephraim. I forgot. <laughs> People can change, Luke. People can change. Don't take Solo down. Is what I'm learning. <laughs> Right. We've yet to see the actual purpose of it. I'm, we're still waiting for a prescribed use of Zolodone. We've heard Severo <laughs> had to take it for a little while in the Rat Wars. Right. And, like, uses for Zolodone that aren't related to war, I guess. Yeah, any of them. Please. Any, come on. You can send, them, send them my way. Maybe, like, um, terrible family reunions that you have to go to. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just have to like be there. Your presence has to be there, <laughs> but you, but your spirit doesn't. But yeah, he, but yeah, exactly. That's know. a good one. That's a good one. Um, but uh, <laughs> the scene—I forget if this is in this section or if the or if it's in the first third when he starts teaching the obsidian, and he goes on this big rant, and then. Uh, our, our boy, the shaman, is like, I forgot to tell you, they don't speak English. <laughs> that one, I I, I laughed a little bit. Yep. And I was like, ah, oh, man, we like Ephraim now. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, that, that scene was very good. Uh, also, obviously, the scene where he gets high and it invades with a mop is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. Were there any other scenes that stood out to you as like, Ephraim is is making a comeback. Ephraim's turning this whole thing around. Um, I mean, most of his like interactions with Pax right. are very like he seems very likable in those. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if there's any specific ones. Right. Um beyond those two. But generally generally he's uh, he's too likable in the section. Yeah, he's kind of a good guy, huh? Yeah. Um I will say like uh, he probably should have kept his nose out of it, out of that that business with 
uh what is it freyla freylod mm-hmm. and vladir mm-hmm. valdir yeah valdir yeah because it's like nah, it doesn't really eh, you don't know what's going on bud right like uh <laughs> who knows what's going on not you maybe shut up about it they they probably i don't know i don't know not like i'm condoning like being them being dishonest to each other but maybe there's like a another agreement which we find out there kind of is like Sefi's like look yeah i'm like done i can't touch him in the same ways like i'm letting him go yeah and he's like calling them out on all this stuff and it's like dude you don't know leave him leave him be but the situation at all yeah anyway totally agree anyway um yeah also i have a question for you in these chapters with ephraim okay so he's having a chat with the buddy about his infidelity and the guy's pooping Mm -hmm. after he's done pooping did you pick up on what he wiped with the snow are we yay or nay on snow as toilet paper i'm yay actually oh i don't know about this i don't tell me why you're just yay. because it's too cold too too uncomfortable i have a few qualms with it tell me why you're yay first and then i'll tell you my concerns um i am yay because i feel like so i'm very pro so i'm very pro bidet <laughs> and you're in a this- situation where you don't have a bidet i feel like this is this is close enough do you feel like this is potentially a superior to a bidet because you get the benefits i of both? think right i think that assuming that you are like these obsidian who are used to the snow and like the cold doesn't bother you i i i would guess better than bidet mm. it could also be refreshing really wake <laughs> you up in the morning would definitely wake you up for sure yeah um so but you have qualms with it my major qualms are the consistency of snow is key for this to work Mm -hmm. because like snow is different any like some snow packs together really well some snow really icy some snow really powdery depending on the conditions this could vary wildly in the experience because luke have you ever tried to make a snowball with snow that was too powdery? Yes. And what happens? You can't. It, it doesn't come together. It doesn't come together at all. Imagine you pick up a big scoop of this and you're like, and time to wipe. And then it's just hand because there's no snow that has <laughs> stuck. And you're just like, well, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> then you're stuck with hand. You're stuck with hand. Yeah. Um. And then alternatively, too icy. I don't want that too, anywhere near Too me. icy, I think, is the worst. Is worse than too powdery. So, so we've got a very narrow Goldilocks region of snow that we're talking about now that is acceptable. <laughs> and you haven't packed alternatives. None of these obsidians are packing alternatives. So they're going with whatever's on the ground. Right. I think... I think my main qualm that you haven't touched yet is the organization of a group bathroom where everyone is using snow. Oh. Are we restocking the snow? Oh, no. Or is it just like go off in the forest and like, 
you're assuming that you're going to use a different spot. But you're never... There's plenty of snow on the ground. Oh, but with enough people, Luke, you're not using a different spot because everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, by this tree is a good spot. I can kind of hide. It's sheltered a little bit. Oh, there's 300 other dookies here. (laughs) And and completely devoid of snow. Yeah, it's all brown snow at this point. Yeah, I which I feel like has to be the case because they're in like an a group thing. Yes. And Ephraim has gone out here to use the bathroom as well, right? They've gone to the same place, yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's I think that's my that's my biggest worry. I hadn't even considered that, but that is gonna keep me up thinking about it. <laughs> Cause yeah, you don't want to reach down and grab a patch of snow that's already been grabbed. That's the worst, I think. That might be the worst of all these. Right. <laughs> I, I agree. You wipe and then you're sure. like, I didn't have corn for dinner. <laughs> I, I will say, like, they might, if it's like a communal bathroom situation, mm-hmm. like, just set up, like, water stations, like, normal. They, look, there's no, there's no liquid water going on. Uh, okay. This is ice. We're on the ice. Okay, time. I'm choosing to I'm choosing to assume that they've they've organized this to where it's like, yeah, to your left is clean snow, <laughs> to your to your right is the dirty snow. Maybe you just we bring in a bunch of clean snow. You just always make a line and you look for the feet prints, and the most recent track of feet prints, you have to go one ahead of them. You have to take two <laughs> steps two steps forward of those feet prints. <laughs> and you know that's good. You gotta stay in a straight line though. For sure. Yes, that's key. Plus, the the longer you wait to go to the bathroom, the further away you have to go, which is tough. Unless you Especially go to the... if it's scary at night. Which it sounds like it is. It's very scary. But they might love it. They might. This is true. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Uh, obligatory, obligatory poop talk done. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about what happens next? With the Askamani? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about the Askamani a little bit. My first question is, again for Pierce, um, how big of a boy, what's the, what's the, what's the size line for bold font when I, when someone's talking? Oh, wow. This is a great question. I, here's, we've seen two, we've seen two, uh, this guy, the, the king of the Eskimani. Yep. Presumably. And Ragnar. Yes. Also had bold font. Correct. Um, I'm, I, I'm assuming that those are the two biggest boys we've seen. I think so because Ephraim Ephraim saw Ragnar, right? Like Ephraim knows what I'm Ragnar sure. looked like. I assume a lot of people Actually, know what he looked like. I, yes, they for sure know what he looked like. I don't. I don't think that Ephraim has seen him in person because Ragnar died like before. Yeah. Um, I think Ephraim would have joined. Yes. So then I feel like Fa is bigger than it. Ragnar. Okay. Based on Ephraim's description, Fa sounds bigger than Ragnar. Fa sounds like comically large, whereas Ragnar sounded like <laughs> scarily large. Fa sounds comically large, like a house. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Like a Clifford the Big Red Dog comically large, like too big. Right. <laughs> like he has gravity. Like you can feel the gravity pull of this person. 
Right. Gravity and, due to the bold lettering, gravitas. Indeed. Indeed. So then I think that the large, the bold text line is around Ragnar size. Like Ragnar just snuck over it? I think Ragnar might have been the archetype. Yeah. He was okay. the... Okay. If you're bigger than Ragnar, if you are equal to or bigger than Ragnar, you get bold font. Do you think that it's limited to size? <sighs> like, is it? Is it... You have to be this big and, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, have some level of importance. No, 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 no. no, be, no, no, level, no. be level 83 at least. <laughs> it's not about your status. It's I do think big is a big component of it. You got to be large enough for the font for uh-huh. the for the font to sound big. The, the what you're saying has to sound rad as hell. Ooh, okay. So you yeah. have to be coming with these one-liners that will make people like pee their pants and that's how you get the bold (laughs) font if you're not if you're not both of these things your font is normal i think i agree with you my only i I, this might be a chicken or the egg thing Mm -hmm. because i feel like one if you're if you're just a a big boy let's say Mm -hmm. and you get you get bold font status then you're like I, i now i can only say intense things Right. Maybe there's more to my experience than just scary, intense things. But but I mean, like, if you're if you're at bold font level, I think that you're talking differently and you're like, okay, now now I got to Now I got to earn it. I got to step it up. Or is it like you've already earned it and with your intense ways of talking and now you get bold font. So you're asking as Ragnar aged. As he grew up, because yeah. he didn't start out bold font for sure. No, you're asking. No, sure, no. You're asking. Was there a day when he grew big enough that his font became bold, and he was like, "Oh wow, now I have to say only cool, epic things for the rest of my life"? Or did he get to the size that he needed to be, and then one day said something super badass and was like, "Okay, now I can only do that." <laughs> That's I what think, you're saying. Yeah, it's it's one of those two. I like the second option. I like he's just a big guy. <laughs> he said some dorky stuff a lot of the time, actually. He was like, hey, you guys want to see my cool sword collection? Come here. Let me show you. And then one day he was like, one day he was like, uh, I will forge a sword from the iron in your body. And his his font went bold and he was like, whoa. All right. <laughs> okay. I okay. like that. Yeah. And then he just never looked okay. back. I'll, I'll I'll take that version of events as well. I think that sounds good to me. And it seems like and it seems like our our guy Fa, is that how I'm going to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, is uh, is at that level as well. Good for him. I don't Very know. scary boy. Very scary boy. Uh, do you want to hear a theory that's that I'm going to just come out and say wasn't real? Okay. That I wrote down for the, for half a second. Wait, wait. The theory that you're about to tell me. I'm about to tell you a theory that I wrote down and like totally not right, but I kind of like it. Okay. So we're being introduced to Askamani in this section, right? And Mm -hmm. it's like building up to when they actually show up. Before they actually show up, I was like, tongueless Askamani? Question mark? (laughs) Okay. It was like, is that what tongueless's deal was? Askamani? 
I, I mean, I looking back on it, I agree with you that it's, I don't think right. Uh, but it, it was, it, I'm sure it was fun at the time. It was fun. Also, we don't know what language Tungless spoke. We also don't know if he had bold font. Or if he had bold font. So I think could still have been Askamani. Could still, could still be. Wasn't covered um, in jelly, will... but aside from that. <laughs> I was going to say, the Askamani looked kind of weird. Okay. Since we're talking about the Askamani, Luke, real quick. Yeah. These things breach and are immediately decimated. Like, they breach in the ship and everyone's looking at them for a good while. They're like, what are these little guys? Hold on. <laughs> Should we call somebody? What do we do with them? I don't know. They they stuck on our ship and put a membrane around it? That's weird. They're covered in goo, though, so I don't want to touch it. <laughs> they give them, like, two minutes to wake up and start attacking them. It's like, what? Don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, okay, I I think there's an argument for, like, first contact with something that you don't know what it is. There's a risk of, like if you are confrontational. However, they did just breach the ship. Yeah, in a major way. <laughs> so I feel like I I do think that you're not like you're not risking first contact with like alien species that could have gone peacefully and you're fucking it up by attacking. I, I think that's out the window. That they have just made right. in their ship. Right, they've boarded you. You've been boarded, sir. Uh, right. Stab. You can you can dissect them later to figure out oopsie. But, like, they're covered in goo and they look kind of scary. They, they, do, they do look a little scary. Um, <laughs> also, because of the goo, I'm assuming, um, can live survive in, in uh, no atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty useful. I, w- I will say pretty useful in like very limited contexts. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they have, they have specked entirely into like biological things and like done very little technology improvements. Like they don't have any ships. It sounds like, it sounds like they just kind of scoot around in space, hoping <laughs> to land on one. <laughs> Wait, are you suggesting that there's just a cloud of us? Os- come on. <laughs> yeah. They throw them. They throw right. them really hard from the edge of the solar system. They have a bunch of trebuchets constantly launching these guys inward <laughs> towards the sun. <laughs> right. This is how. This is how they get to. Uh, they get to Mars so quickly is because of the. The trebuchet. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not using, they're using axes, right? They're using like hand-to-hand weapons. Yes. So. This is true. I mean, sounds like trebuchet work to me. Sounds like trebuchet work for sure. <laughs> anyway, either either way, very scary. Uh, don't love the way that, just to go back a second, that they displayed uh Freyhold or whatever her mm-hmm. name is. Yeah. Don't don't love the image of hanging by a hook. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. Um you, do you have anything more on the Askamani? I, I don't think we know enough about them yet, but No, I don't have anything else on them. Okay. 
the last note that I have is at the very, very end, the very last sentence of the section that we have read. Ooh. So um, if okay. you have stuff from before then, let's do it. Before that, I kind of just want to talk about Lysander and Ap- Apple's interaction. Apollonius. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Apollonius shows up in a very cool fashion, I must say, where he looks kind of like a demon in the desert and he's like wearing mm-hmm. his bull helm. Very cool. Partly like, hey, how did you get there? Like, how do you know? How do you know that this guy's here? Nobody else seems to know. Anyway, uh, I more want to get to what he's trying to get from Lysander. He's trying to get this mind eye. Yeah. The mind eye sounds like a technique, right? It's not like a thing you can hand to someone. It's not like a piece of technology. Right. Yes, I agree. And Lysander is like still learning how to use the mind eye. Like he's he has not mastered it. And he sounds like it went through a pretty rigorous training to achieve the mind eye. Yes. What does Apollonius think he's going to get? Like what like, like a book? Like like is Lysander gonna hand him a textbook that's like, okay, study this, there'll be an exam on Wednesday. We're gonna go through a four semester <laughs> program to get you up to speed. Like Right. I don't understand because, because in reality, what he is asking for is like, hey Lysander, can you like be my professor in this for like years? Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, in a way that is a little bit degrading that I feel like Apollonius would not accept. It doesn't seem that way, no. And also, like, Lysander can just lie. He could just be like, yeah, totally, I'll teach you this technique. And then when when Apollonius doesn't get it, he'd be like, you're too old. <laughs> I had to learn this when I was a child. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's hoping for, honestly. It feels like a weird a thing USB to ask stick. for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, give me a virtual training montage or something. Because it is cool. I don't know. I'm into it. It's cool. It is It is pretty cool. It seems pretty useful. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the requirements that you need. I don't know how long it actually takes. I don't know if everyone is capable of it. I assume not. Right. Yeah. Seems This might be this might be a situation where where our boy Apple um is just like arrogant out of his mind. Right. He's he's thinking this is a jutsu he has to learn and in fact it's a bloodline technique. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he do, he does look very cool, right? Yes. yes. The vibe he's is excellent. A little, like a little like invisible guy popping out quoting quoting poetry a lot of poetry everybody loves poetry for some reason everybody has a favorite poet which seems unfair it's a lot it's a lot of poetry um but yeah yeah lysander lysander seems to do pretty well for himself um considering i i didn't think that lysander was quite as like competent as he actually does seem to be right yeah so good for him. I mean, he has moments. He has moments, right? Yeah, yeah. He he does continue to uh, gas people up pretty well. <laughs> He's excellent at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. 
All right, Luke, take us to the end of the book. And then I do want to pop off a little bit on Pierce at the end here today. Okay, so the, so the end of the section that we have read uh, is with Virginia and we get we get Lilith back. Uh, and who else do we get back? Uh, Jackal in a sense, right? We have a little 10 year old Jackal clone. Right. We've got little Joker and Harley Quinn. Sorry, I mean Jackal and Lilith <laughs> having a little dynamic here. Um, and the the earlier payoff of the flowers or, or the earlier setup of the flowers pays off, which is nice. Um, Mustang escapes and they're trying to make a decision on whether to go to Darrow's aid or to Mars. And Kavax mentions that he has sent someone to help Darrow. And that person is the same person that told him that the core is here. It's it's Cassius, right? Oh, shit. It's totally Cassius. Luke, this it is a called to, shot. This be. is an outstanding called shot, actually. Bravo. We never saw a body. No, no, no. This is And this is something I've had in the back of my head for the whole time, but I've kind of, I honestly have forgotten about this. You're totally right. It's Cassius. No question in my mind. It's Cassius. 100%, 100% confident. Yeah. It's got to be. Otherwise, otherwise, you would not phrase this this way if you're Pierce. We're calling that, we're, we're breaking the fourth wall a lot here. If it's not Cassius, you'd be like, oh yeah, I sent Greg. <laughs> Right, it has to be somebody we know. Otherwise, you're you're just telling us their name. And the only yeah, Cassius is literally the only one it could be because yeah. we didn't see a body. So, so that's that's we didn't see a body. Um, same, we didn't see a body with Virginia either. Um, so yeah, confirmed, confirmed Cassius. Good work. Uh, excited for okay. that. Frankly, I'm excited. I am too. I am too. Love to get some Darrow Cassius time. What do you have for me about? Uh, about Pierce more unless you have more about this scene no I want to talk about two things that I am I am a little frustrated at Pierce for here okay Okay. first is the larger politics that Pierce is representing and second is about how he's how this story is kind of going so on the larger politics of what Pierce is doing there's two things that stand out to me as like not cool the first is sort of annoying the second is like a pretty problematic thing that he is introducing. Uh, the baddie, the incorruptible, he decides to make him communist. This like idealist like person who's trying to do it. He's like a traitor, but he's like being fooled by the bone riders. And Pierce is like, yeah, make him a commie. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Why? <laughs> sure like did you okay, have yeah, to yeah. make him a commie i don't understand like the, he's uh, such a commie too he's extremely commie um <laughs> and yeah just like whatever man um the thing that's more problematic though and it has me concerned for like pierce's politics in this book is that lyria is in the prison cell and she's being like she's about to try and starve herself to death and she realizes like oh i've been waiting for somebody else to 
give me a handout. I need to pick myself up by my bootstraps. That's been my problem. That's been all of our problem the whole time. We've been waiting for somebody else to give us a handout. I got to pick myself up by my bootstraps. And mm. she decides that's been their issue. And like she she wasn't fair for critiquing them this whole time. I'm not loving that. I'm not loving that at all, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do agree. <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I I am glad to have Lyria on board. So so I'm not pushing back against that. But the idea that reds and low colors have not pulled their weight or have not like I don't know, participated enough, I think is is not quite correct. Um when you can when like we're constantly hearing about like sacrifices that uh low colors in the army are making um incredible like incredibly brave acts uh like we hear all about the like rat legion and it's always like yeah these guys are freaking badasses all the time um so yes I, I think it's both kind of a kind of an incorrect read on Lyria's part. And I don't love I I agree that I don't love Pierce being a bootstraps guy. It mm, it feels like it undermines the first chapter with Lyria in a major way. Now, I will say this. I will say this. This is Lyra Lyria expressing this perspective in this chapter where she's like, I'm gonna do something about this. Which I can see yeah. from one perspective, like, isn't necessarily Pierce's idea. It felt kind of like Pierce's idea, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it is just like Lyria deciding to not starve herself to death. And that is just what she needed to do that. But if it is Pierce's perspective that like, yeah, they should have been doing more. Let's just remember what that first chapter with Lyria was like. They pull the reds out of the mine. They promise them they're going to share profits with them. And then they put them in this refugee camp and say, see you later. And Lyria in that first chapter is like struggling to make ends meet, like doing anything she can to survive. Uh, And then they get like blasted away by the red hand. And it's just like, what did... What should she have done? Like, why are we putting the impetus on her to fix these, right. like, huge, huge problems that are going on? I, it felt unfair to me, to that first chapter with her, where it was like, yeah, things way out of her control are happening. And, like, she doesn't have any power to do it. And, like, the last thing I'll say about this, if you try and compare it to Darrow, it completely falls apart. Because... Dara wasn't just pulled out of the mines and sent off to go fix the problems. Dara was like handed a gold life. He was like, here's how to do this. Here's how to be a gold. Let's give you a gold body. Let's give you all these tools so that you can make a change in the world. Right. Leary was given none of those things. And none of the people who were pulled out of the mine were given any help. It was just like, you're free now. Go run along. <laughs> Right. I okay, so I, I, I agree with all of your points. I I will defend Pierce a little bit along the lines that you've already mentioned of like this is Lyria's thing 
and might not be like actually Pierce's voice mm-hmm. pushing through. I I think it's I can see why we might say that it it seems like Pierce's voice. Um, however, I have kind of thought this several times for different things throughout the series, mm-hmm. and have like gotten the opposite perspective from someone later on like so i don't know i i have a lot of these thoughts about when like they're complaining about democracy for example mm-hmm. um it's like uh, is like am i actually supposed to be hearing this as like a i don't know out of the context of the book necessarily or is it purely just like, yeah, these are characters? And I'm starting to lean towards like, these are just characters. Because like, <laughs> they have uh, they have a lot of um, critiques of democracy that are like applicable to this story that are not necessarily applicable to like our world. And also like, they have a lot of critiques of like fascism that are actually pretty good. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. I mean, to say this isn't applicable to our world is to... I think that may be not fair to this book. Like, I I think Pierce is writing a book that is... Like, he's writing about fascism, right? Fascism is our world. And, like, people stormed the Capitol in this book. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. So I feel like to completely separate it from our reality is a little bit unreasonable but i do understand what you're saying that like it does seem like specific to what's happening some some of these instances might be specific to what is going on in this particular universe rather than a commentary on democracy at large in our world i think that's fair um right because like i i do think there are some parallels to draw like the storming of the capital however a lot of the times the like uh the like i don't know motivations behind things are just like completely completely not applicable to our world or even like the the i don't know if factions is the right term but like have been swapped or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know i i i keep doing this where there'll be some something that i can see it like being pierce's voice breaking through like political opinions or something and then later on i'm like eh, i don't think it actually was and i and and i i don't know if this is one of those times or not yeah right i think i i think what stops me from thinking that this is entirely pierce's political voice is like i don't think he's crazy in terms of his politics (laughs) and like he might be and if he is then this like would make a lot of sense do you know what i mean like if he does think that there is a shadowy cabal that is controlling one major portion of our democracy and doing coups and stuff, maybe this is him coming. Maybe there's a lot more Pierce coming through than we thought, and it just seems so outlandish <laughs> to us because it's that would be <laughs> that'd be that'd be tough. We're giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Now, I I don't think that's true. I'm probably gonna read some tweets of his later and and check on that. But I think this is a fair point. I I will take your point on this. It just concerned me a little bit. Lyria's little pull herself up by her bootstraps moment. Um, sure, which is fair. Which is fair. 
Okay, my other little criticism for Pierce here. This story, this story is doing what I really don't like about Star Wars. And that is like everybody's fucking related and keeps coming back. And so like we talked about Jackal already. That honestly, I was so mad when the Jackal came back because it's like we already did Jackal Pierce. Give us somebody, give us somebody new to chew on. We already did Jackal. Yeah. And okay. I so when when we he's first introduced, I I actually thought that it was the Fear Knight. I for a, for a moment because of the because baby face. Virginia's like I recognize the baby face, and Virginia's like I recognize that voice, and immediately got terrified, and then like something about a like baby face. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, ooh. And then I don't know. The cl- the clone thing, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Honestly, I I think I'm gonna reserve judgment until there's a little bit more of a resolution here. I the only so I'll say if it's short, like if this is just like a couple chapter thing, and then they deal with him and he they kill him, and it's like yeah, that was weird. Well, anyway, moving on. Then I'm gonna be fine with it. But if he be- if he becomes a major villain in this, I'm gonna be pissed because we've already done Jackal, yeah. and I don't want to see Jackal again. Um, the other what about, a, what about a little redemption arc? <laughs> <laughs> the jackal's too far. We don't want a redemption arc for jackal. Jackal 2.0, actually a really sweet kid. Actually, actually he just needs a little love and affection, and he's totally sweetie. Um, right? No, I hope he gets. I hope the flower destroyed him. I hope he's a stupid little yeah. kid who got killed by a flower. Uh. The others that are annoying, when the Bone Riders came back, just this whole thing about the Bone Riders being the big villains was annoying. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, Ragnar's daughter matters for some reason. All of a sudden, like, I don't care that everyone's related. Like, that doesn't give any weight to any of these characters to me. Like, I don't. Volga, it doesn't matter to me that she is Ragnar's daughter. I don't care. Yeah. That that one in particular feels like a stretch to me. Um, and it's like we got introduced to a lot of characters in the first trilogy, like Orion and Ragnar, who were just like badass of their own volition. Like they were just yeah. rad as hell. And they weren't related to anybody we knew. They were just rad. I, more of that please they don't need to be there's billions and billions and billions and billions of people out there don't make them related right yeah i mean i think this happens with the with the golds a lot especially just because for for whatever reason i guess some like genuine genetic stuff uh the like main bloodlines are a big thing so like alexander for example is apparently awesome um but he was like lauren's grandson right or something like that right um, and yeah to your point it's like give me a super cool guy that is just a super cool guy right and i mean to well, get uh, to, we we get callaway i guess yeah ryan's uh exactly like, protege we get him um and we get i mean ephraim isn't directly related to anybody we know um kind of though yeah <laughs> Yeah, okay. Lyria isn't. Although Lyria is not right. that badass right now. Lyria is just kind of right. Whatever. Um 
<laughs> do you want to do a called shot of Lyria being like related in some way? <laughs> no, man, she can't be. I hope not. I don't want to call that shot. I don't want to manifest that into the world, Luke. <laughs> She's Darrow's like half sister or something. Right, right. No, no, she's her own thing. Um, she's Severo's. Oh no! What if she's Severo? What if she's Severo's Se- cousin or something? <laughs> I was thinking this too, right? Because oh, Severo's no. mom was a red, correct? <laughs> yeah. It's coming, Dan. It's coming. Oh no! <laughs> I don't want it. Um, we'll see, man. Oh, okay. Last little quick thing, and then and then we'll wrap up. Knock off the Moadib mind eye, the desert spice little little thing you got going on. Okay, I uh, actually good reference. I was glad it didn't last any longer because for a second I was like, I don't care about your old Dune thing you're doing it's with cool Lysander. Now. It's it's cool now. But I so I had a note that was like, uh, careful Pierce, but he he shortened it so it was fine. Yeah, that's that's all. That's all, Pierce. Pierce, we're looking at you we're now. Talking to Pierce, we talked a lot about Pierce in this episode. Um, Pierce Brown, author of author of this book, we should have probably said that. Um, <laughs> not a character, um, but we'll see. We'll see how Pierce wraps it up, huh? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe Apple will get the mind's eye, and the spice That'd will flow. Cool. A quick, a quick adoption of the mind's eye would be cool to see. Uh, but, but we'll see you next week we'll bring the hot takes and be the dumb nerds <laughs> <laughs>